0: you have an Airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host welcome to streets ahead a podcast dedicated to active travel livable streets and people focused urban design. i am ned bolting
1: i am laura laker
2: And I am Adam Tranter.
0: And welcome to this, our 11th episode in which we are changing gear, apparently. So in case you've been studiously avoiding the news and Twitter for the sake of your health, which would be highly advisable, there was a heap of cycling announcements this week that came from Her Majesty's Government. From a highway code review, to new design guidance, to a big document called, you'd guessed it, Changing Gear. So what does it all really mean? Are we changing gear or are we just pretending to change gear? What is design guidance when it's at home? I haven't got the faintest idea. And What is the highway code? Uh, You probably know the last one. So plenty to be uh, getting on with. But before we uh, start doing that, it's only courteous since we haven't recorded a podcast for a, a, a few days. Uh, to ask you what you've been up to. Adam, every time I kind of open any form of mainstream media or even non-mainstream media, um, the cycling mayor of Coventry is either sitting on a bench <laughs> or, or de- you know, delivering, <laughs> delivering key quotes or, 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 you know, popping up in the New York Times or just, How do you I mean, do you it? are, you are just, uh, you're just smashing it out, mate, smashing it out. What have you been up to as if I didn't know?
2: Uh, well, yeah, I am. I, um, uh, I'm trying to have some form of um, articulated opinion on whether we are changing gear or not. This week's been super um, busy because every time that you know, naturally, there's these things um, happen in politics when the prime minister says something, people all of a sudden get uh, interested, and um, there's there's a real, uh, and certainly in certainly national media, there's there's as often a, a lack of desire to kind of go too deeply underneath and kind of find out whether what the prime minister is saying is true or not, or whether it's, you know, whether it's uh, as ambitious as it sounds. Um, So, uh, you know, I've been doing a few quotes and things like that and just trying to make sure we don't lose this golden opportunity because it is a genuinely golden opportunity and it's ours, um, ours for the taking.
0: Well, uh, more grist to your mill. Keep up the good work. Uh, Laura, you've been, um, I'm sure you've been doing plenty of that stuff as well as ferreting around with your sources in government and various different organisations, which I'm sure <laughs> we'll come to, but much more significantly, you told me just before we started recording, you've been out on your bike.
1: Yeah, I have. I went out on my bike this morning and I went out yesterday as well and, and the day before actually. Yeah, I like cycling. Um, so today I saw- <laughs> I
0: like cycling.
1: <laughs> Amazing. Today I saw- <laughs>
0: I'm glad we've got that cleared up because I've been wondering ever since we started this podcast. It's such a
1: nice thing to do. (laughs) Um, Yeah, today I saw some goats, um, old English goats, which have been reintroduced to the Lee Valley to keep down the scrub and keep it as grassland. So I said hello to the goats. That was really nice. Saw some squirrels, got out into the wildlife. It's been a very busy week and it's very important to get out into the green space. Um, Yeah, I've been doing uh, stuff on the announcement, but also launched the... um, Nominations are now open for the Active Travel Media Awards, which is another thing that I do. Um, So you can nominate your favorite journalist, not me because I'm on the uh, panel. But yeah, nominate good work in uh, writing and broadcasting. And we're trying to up the quality of reporting on active travel. So I've uh, uh,
2: nominated Nick Ferrari. (laughs)
1: <laughs> you have not. <laughs> what, He's not going to make it through. Um, what's he done?
2: What's he done can, now? Oh, no, yeah, no. We well, let's not let's not go in that. Go there. Can can, can can streets ahead be entered? Can can we nominate? Oh, that would be nice. Can we if you we say award winning podcast? Yeah,
1: yeah. We, we did have a podcast on last year. Actually, we had Wheel Suckers on um, as one of our nominees, as short shortlisted nominees. Yeah, we can. Yeah, we can. Yeah.
0: Well, I urge our our, our three or four listeners to. You know, you go to the, how, do they, how do they vote for us, Laura? This is quite. I'm quite excited um, now.
1: So, um, so yes, I well, let's put on the show note Notes, uh, some links because uh, off the top of my head, it's, part of, travel, it's part of
0: the active travel. It's part of the
1: active travel academy, and it's on their blog, which is blog at westminster.ac.uk something forward slash. Anyway, I'll, I'll put, put it, it on the. the I'll put it on the link. Yeah. So okay. yeah, or active <laughs> underscore ata on Twitter, and we've been tweeting about it. So okay.
2: Good stuff. Mm. Um, and, and Ned, um, you, you're not in your front room, are you Ned? You Where look like you? you've, you like you've been jet set in. What have you been doing? It's a
0: change of scene. I've finally broken free. I'm in Siena in Tuscany, um, commentating on, uh, what can only be described as bike races because they are bike races, which wow. is, um, which is kind of my day job really. Um, and it's interesting. I, I, I really was in two minds as to whether or not it was the right thing to do to accept this work. I'm in Italy for 10 days and traveling around a little bit with it. um, and, uh, kind of everything that you do along those lines comes at a certain risk, not just to you, but more significantly to the wider community. And of course, tomorrow I drive to Turin. Um, and, uh, you know, that was the, the first European epicenter in Lombardy, uh, of, of coronavirus. And so I, I kind of thought, uh, I thought long and hard about whether to come. I am actually very glad that I've come. Um, I am kind of, I'm reminded of what my life was like before lockdown and I'm kind of renewed with a sense of purpose and I've, I enjoy my job and it is my job. And I kind of, I feel that I have a right wherever that is to pick up the baton and earn money, you know, like everyone else in, in society. So that that's the one part of it. But also I'm tremendously um, kind of inspired by uh Italian the Italian approach to coronavirus. I think that you know I remember when we started doing this podcast one of the first things we started to talk about was Milan's reaction to yeah, livable right. streets. Oh. You remember that they, they really have yeah. been on the front fo- front foot in all sorts of ways. Yeah. And they have clearly um benefited greatly from the buy-in of society in general to all the extreme measures that they like us like everywhere have been subjected to i mean the, the you know the the levels of uncomplaining mask wearing um you know and social distancing here are are significant and it's it's you know it's been much to their benefit you know that there, there there was talk initially of um when the north was being ravaged by coronavirus of an inevitable sweep south and of course italy as you know is much um, more affluent in the north and the southern cities of well even rome to a certain extent but certainly naples and palermo are you know that would have been a disaster if it really caught hold there, but it didn't because lockdown worked and was observed. And um, the geographic spread in Italy is um, is, is very stark. You know, it, it got it got stopped at the border basically. Um, so I don't want to make this all about coronavirus uh, at all, but um, I've just been deeply impressed and quite moved by the, and the welcome that is extended to me and my fellow travellers. You know, from overseas, none of this. What are you doing here? just a genuine kind of like, has it been for you as well? And a sort of concern. So uh, mm. quite wonderful. And just to bring it back to the, the matter at hand, I'm in Siena, which is for anyone who's been there, I think possibly the most beautiful city on the planet. And it's a, it's a walled medieval hilltop city with an extraordinary history and an extensive and really startlingly beautiful Um, uh, uh, walled city, featuring some architectural wonders, frankly, the Piazza del Campo and the Duomo. Um, But lots and lots of streets. A lot of people live here, a lot of businesses are here, and it is uh, completely uh, free of cars. It's pedestrianised, you know, the whole thing. The only vehicles that you see are the occasional taxi, dropping someone off who needs transport, or, um, and these are quite dangerous because they drive at breakneck speed, kind of garbage collector little vans. They're not the big things that we have at, at home. They're little vans, but they kind of dart l- around. they little
1: streets. They're tiny little streets, streets but they, yeah. they
0: do tend to take the corners at 70 miles an hour nonetheless. Oh. So but th- they're few and far between. And actually it's just, honestly, it's paradise. It's, it's, par- mm-hmm. and it's very empty of tourists at the moment. So I feel very fortunate, but it is a model of how you just say, stop. At the gate and do not come in <laughs> to motorised vehicles. And, you know, you shall not pass. As, as far as I can think of, it there's no there's no parallel in the United Kingdom for the kind of like, you know, the the kind of Siena model whatsoever.
1: Sounds beautiful. And you're there for the Giro. It's the no, Giro I'm not there for presumably. the Giro. Uh,
0: no, I'm not. I'm no. That's nope. all the, uh, let's not get lost in the nuances of the cycling okay. season. A bunch of one day okay. races, and then I'm home. Okay. to Yeah. Okay. In about in about a week. Yeah.
2: Um, it's. Funny the um, the the visits we have aboard, and we go to these lovely cities that are often pedestrianised or have beautiful cycle lanes everywhere. And when we come back to to Britain, um, you know, often people kind of think that would be impossible here. I've talked to people who have been to the Netherlands or been to you know other other cities, and I've gone. When you came back from Netherlands, did you kind of say, "Oh, it was really nice, but I wish you know, wish there were more cars"? Um, <laughs> you know, people people go and see this. And then they come home. They're like, "No, nah, we can't have that. That can't, that can't work. But you just saw it work. It just worked uh, where you were. And, and I, mean, um, I just, that, that bit surprises me.
0: We do have Siena in Yorkshire. It's called York. You know, I mean, the, 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 I, I don't know. I'm going out on a limb here, but it strikes me that I know York quite well. I would imagine the dimensions are pretty similar. And York is a hmm. walled medieval yeah. city.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah.
0: Very, very similar. Um, so yeah, it can be done. It hmm. must be
2: done. Well, um, so we're, um, we're gear changing, we are, changing gear.
0: And I, I have got, I'm very much on the, on the kind of like, uh, this is how we're going to do this, right? We've had some questions in from podcast <laughs> listeners on Twitter. I can't answer any of them. Uh, so it's going to uh. be over to you. So I'm simply acting as the kind of gateway person here and I'm going to be um, asking you some questions. Are you, are you okay with that approach?
1: Oh, let's go for it. Let's see what happens.
0: All right, yeah,
1: right, Mister Rob
0: Wilson. Let's start with his question. He's actually got two questions um, for the podcast, so let's deal with them separately. Um, And this one's very good. The first one, I think, very. I'm interested in your answer. Um, Let's start with you, Laura. Um, How enforceable is the new? um, And he's written LTN One Stroke Twenty, which I guess means what? What does that mean?
1: Um. It is um, local transport note, and um, so twenty is twenty twenty. And the one means it's the first change this year. The last one was like two thousand and eight, right? So um, yeah, okay. How enforceable? So is it it's guidance. Designed-
0: yeah, is it guidance? Sorry, yes. just to complete his question: it's- is it guidance or is it legislation?
1: It's guidance. But what makes a difference in previous guidance is we have this body called Active Travel England, which is going to kind of be the gatekeeper for funding. So, um, it's design guidance. So it kind of sets out, um, what cycle infrastructure is going to look like, um, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. So usually there's n- there's no more, um, painted cycle lanes. They're, they're not acceptable, um, and shared spaces out as well and yeah and cycling uh actually travel england is basically going to say um you know this this scheme is good enough this is not good enough you're not going to get the funding and um if it's not good enough so yeah it's it is kind of enforceable in that way but it's it's yeah it's not like you can make someone do something if they're not going to do it but if they're going to do something then they kind of have to do it right that's that's basically what it is
2: Mm. It's like um yeah ca- it's carrot and stick approach isn't it i think they yeah. um they can use the lure of uh funding to encourage um i would say more proactive and progressive councils to um to design really high quality stuff and actually probably they're the councils that that probably want to design high quality stuff mm-hmm. what they can't do um or or what they yet can't do and it's you know yet to be seen is really drag uh, local authorities, because it's all you know, devolved responsibility to to go and build stuff, great stuff. If they don't want to, and and yes, the government, the DFT, could say, well, if you don't build good stuff, I'm not going to give you any money. And they could say things like, well, actually, that's quite handy because I don't really want to build anything for cycling and walking infrastructure anyway. That but, said, yeah. Oh, you're going to say that um, – you're going to say what I was going to say, Laura. I don't know. But I... now I don't sound like I know what I'm doing. Yeah, you are. You're going to say that they can reduce funding for other transport projects um, if they don't design well for active travel. So the D- this is the DFT playing hardball here and saying, if you don't design for active travel well and you want your bus link in there or you want a park and ride or a train station – like, no, no thanks. And that, you know, proves in the pudding there. But I think that's, um, uh, that is potentially quite bold. That's the stick. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So even if it's not, um, um, if uh, if it's like a, a local highways investment thing where the main element is not cycling or walking, there, the wording is there's a presumption that all new schemes will deliver or improve cycling infrastructure to the new standards. Um, unless basically the council can prove that it's, it's there's little or no need for cycling. Um, and Apparently, the government's going to, um, I think there's been a letter out from Chris Heaton-Harris, saying the cycling minister, saying um, that poor stuff won't be funded. And if it doesn't meet the guidance, uh, they're going to get the money back some way. So, yeah, tough talk. But it wasn't, which wasn't before at all. It was just like, do, do what you like. Just, just yeah. Yeah. See what happens.
2: Yeah. Um- I think for 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 people listening as well the design guidance is is um is guidance um as we've ascertained but it, it is um genuinely if it's followed really important and I think there is um often at local authorities sometimes a lack of understanding of what good kind of is and what good yeah. looks like um, whether that's from a resource or a skills point of view or just just the experience so many of us will have ridden those kind of you know a cycle lane that to all intents and purposes feels Okay. Um, and then you get to a side road, uh, and, you know, there's those really rubbish giveaway signs that mean that you have to kind of stop, look both ways, cross the road, and join the cycle lane away again. And there's one near me that does that, you know, eight to 10 times in less than a, a mile. Um, yeah. And, uh, one of us downhill as well so it's really frustrating oh, you, you know going from 20 miles an hour to five miles an hour having a look and then trying to get back um up again they're just making it very very difficult and and that stuff yeah. should be should be like in the past you know we should be looking at continuous um cycle lanes that go across junctions with Junction priorities so cars have to um to to give way um as an example so that should be really interesting and also what we're gonna um, you know, a little thing that's thrown into the guidance there is that anyone planning um, to build cycle lanes uh, has to go and ride it themselves. Um, so or they, have, no to have, ha- the roads, or they have to have
1: ridden on the roads, I think. they have to ridden on the roads themselves, so they yeah. understand um, what it's supposed to be like, yeah.
0: I also think that we should introduce a little bit of a stick to this one as well. And I think that any bit of... Um, I think there should be a bit of a guerrilla action plan that any bit of absolutely dreadful design, uh, we should put a sign up with the... Um, we should name each of these junctions after the uh, the councillor or the person in the local authority actually approved <laughs> the plans. Brought to you by. Yeah, exactly. So that we know who's
1: who to blame. So you, and their yes. email address so you can send them a... <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh
2: steady. Councillor <laughs> Smith asked you to dismount. <laughs>
0: All right, let's let's cr- let's crack on. Ask him why. Robert actually has... I think this is slightly tongue-in-cheek. At least I hope it. Well, I don't know. Um, Rob also adds as a second question: Adam, um, will some or all of the previously announced twenty-seven billion for roads now go to cycle infrastructure because bikes are to be treated as vehicles, not pedestrians? I think he's. I think he's joking, but uh, I would question. imagine the answer is no. Uh,
2: yeah, I was going to say yeah. That's that's the news that we missed. That um, actually they're repurposing it all. Um, <laughs> but no, um, no, that's not going to happen. And every time you think, you know, when the first announcement, well, the first announcement of the 2 billion, which was actually the second announcement of the 2 billion because mm-hmm. it was announced in February. So we're now on the third announcement of the yes, 2 billion. Third, that's, um, right. that's 6, but, that's but
0: six billion, the, isn't it? Isn't it? No, it's not, no, Ned. It's not, no, no.
2: That's Sadly not how it works not. in, <laughs> it works in <laughs> cycling. Um, uh, but no, on the second time around, you know, the night before I knew the announcement was coming, I was generally thinking like, you know, with the way the world is now, like it could just be that they go, look, we get it, guys. We're going to invest in broadband and we're going to invest in active travel. And, you know, this £28 billion of roadways that we're going to build, Major Ray Road, you know, we made a mistake, uh, no problem. Um, and that, you know, that hasn't happened. And every time you think um, something like that might happen, like, the, you know, the legal challenge that there is, the same people who did the legal challenge on the Heathrow Airway Airport expansion, Doing one around the government's twenty eight point eight billion pound road building plan. Every time you think something like that happens, it, it you know it doesn't, and they don't change their mind, uh, and they're staying on that. So that is unfortunate, and it does put it into perspective. You know, every time we get excited and people say, "Oh well, yeah, it's two billion pounds. that's a lot of money," and you know, it's it's not really in comparison. To the thing the thing as we've said before on this podcast, the difference is the the real the the the, the guidance, the political will, the kind of teeth that there is in this stuff. Um, versus, you know, the 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 funding amount, you know, two billion pounds is what you, well, one point five billion pounds is what you need to deliver Manchester's cycle and or network. To put it into perspective, so we want you know, the whole of England to be covered off for roughly the cost of uh, of what it would take to really do Manchester properly. So I don't want to be like dismissive, and you know, I'm appreciative, and I think this is positive, and probably the most positive thing I've experienced back to travel. Um, but let's not pretend it's tons of money.
0: All right. Well, I'm going to jump a question now because we're kind of picking up on that last point. And Laura, I wonder if you could uh, kind of uh, chip in with an opinion on this. David Wilcox asks, what's the best guess of the ratio of the announced 2 billion that will actually get spent on building cycle infrastructure as opposed to, and here he adds, marketing, training and purchasing e-bikes, so non-cycling infrastructure? Do you think that 2 billion will actually get, you know, uh, turned into shovels in the ground f- by and large?
1: Hmm. Well, there's a lot going on, isn't there? For 2 billion, there's cycleways. there's, um, there's the 50 pound voucher, which I think has been allocated. There's the 250 million emergency active travel fund, which came from the 2 billion. There is loads of stuff going on. Yeah. Training costs money to deliver. Um, I don't know. I don't know in short is yeah, it's not very much money, so it's going to have to be spread quite thin. Adam, you, you know you know how much it costs maths to do on stuff.
2: WhatsApp. Yeah. yeah, we were doing some maths on WhatsApp the other night, and um, you know, two hundred and fifty million is now 225 million. And 25 million goes to the you know the fifty-pound um, sure, yeah. voucher scheme. Um, the and website, the website they, crashed on that, didn't it? On the first, <laughs> yeah. the website crashed. As is the demand for you know unmet demand for people wanting to to, to cycle. Yeah, um, which, or is, a really which is really shoddy websites, or a bit of both, maybe. I'd like to, I'd like to put it in the category probably, but I'd like the to. I to- UK are quite
1: good. I thought they're, they're tech people, but yeah, I think yeah. it's just the demand they're doing. They're in- introducing it in Scotland as well. Now that's going, that's announced yeah. tomorrow um, actually. Sorry, I cut you off, so but I
0: did, I cut you off in your flow sorry. there, Adam. That, that was, um, so that, that scheme in itself costs how much,
2: uh, £25 million pounds right. allocated to that scheme. So we're up to 250. The average, when well, I say the average, there's only three of them. The mini Holland pilots that have happened um, in Waltham Forest, Kingston, uh, and Enfield, you know, have been at a variety of costs. But Waltham Forest, which is seen as, you know, largely successful, I don't have the exact figures, but I'm going to say £5 million pounds, um, as, a, uh, a, a, as a kind of lump sum to make uh, somewhere like that brilliant in terms of low-traffic neighbourhoods and some cycle um, infrastructure, et cetera. The government wants to pilot 12 mini-Hollands. So, um, you know, if we say uh, 5 million um, and 12 of those, you know, it's 55 million, so up to sort of 300 um, and a bit million. Um, there's talks of an e-bike subsidy as well. I really hope that's not going to come out the 2 billion pounds and they find something from the Treasury for that because, um, you know, they are talking about... Potentially, uh, I think it was in the Times about being something like thirty percent off the price of an e-bike. Um, do you have any intel on that, Laura?
1: Um, no, I don't. I did actually speak to Chris Heaton-Harris uh, in the week, and he said they are still looking at evidence from Europe and various other places. I think, I think we know that um, e-bike incentives are like hugely, um, hugely good value for money, uh, massive returns on your investment. Um, but yeah, he didn't. He didn't tell me anything. So. You, we talked about the um, the kind of um, guessing how much infrastructure costs I I th- I thought it was um, more like 40 million the mini Holland and it actually was 30 million the initial pot so that's like it's so easy to underestimate how much this stuff costs oh, right, there although, we go yeah so it's 30 million at all, then. well I mean Brilliant. but that's the thing when you think about inf- cycling infrastructure you think oh well it's only a few curves but you know this stuff does actually cost money it's serious investment we're talking you know streetscape stuff always costs like way more than you think but that was curbs and like quite high quality stuff you can do a lot of this with wands and you know you can deliver quite good stuff with a lot cheaper materials and that temporary stuff but yeah it's really not cheap to deliver so when we're talking about two billion it's like really does not go far so
2: yeah yeah yeah. i'm just looking here for the govern's case study which i probably should have done before i just costed out a, a, a scheme in my head um <laughs> yeah 30 million pounds in each um and but that was uh, initial in and, we'll,
1: and they've since yeah, added more and more money yeah the match funded yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah.
2: yeah so it's not cheap. so let's let's assume let's assume we we have that um and uh you know for you know still potentially if they do these things 180 million pounds worth of um uh, of, of funding and then of course you've got the the zero carbon city, which was mentioned in the um, mentioned in the press thing. release, yeah. which, you know, all this stuff um, can can cost a hell of a lot of money. And if we're looking at segregated cycle infrastructure, and this is something me and Laura were talking about, is if the um, you know, prime minister is talking about several thousand miles, uh, thousands of miles of high quality segregated cycling infrastructure, that really can cost you know, uh, conservatively about a million and a half per mile. Um, and, uh, if you're, if you're doing the maths, which I'm not going to do anymore, but, um, uh, ultimately <laughs> so it you doesn't try to add do up.
1: walking speeds, Adam. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
2: Come to me for maths. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and, uh, you know, if you do, if you do it, it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't work. So, um, then we got talking, didn't we Laura about whether we think that, you know, it has to be some sort of quite immediate follow up funding because we've already spent year one from the sounds of things. Yeah. Um because this two billion pounds is potentially well it is over the five year term in the way that it was announced. And um they the government don't really um seem that keen to 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 follow up
1: there will be yeah there will be other funds though so there's like transforming city Mm. fund cities fund there's a housing infrastructure fund which is always terrible for cycling because you can never get cycling in but they're also going to change like how they value cycling projects versus car projects because cars always won before because if you if you like slow cars down then that's a cost to a scheme whereas if you slow cyclists down it's not so it's always like heavily weighted towards drivers but yeah, there's, like, there's loads of pots of money and there always have been for cycling. So it always adds up to like more money than, but it's very, you know, councils have to be very wily and know where the money is and how to get hold of it. But hopefully um, Active Travel England is going to help them with that. Although it's going to have a massive job on its hands, you know, there's like lo- there's loads of councils in England. Everyone's going to be trying to build stuff. There's a lot of money going around. They're going to like be checking all of these schemes. So it's a big job to do.
0: All right. Yeah. That, that actually does bring us quite nicely onto the next question, which I'll read out in a second, but I'm slightly, I'm slightly surprised and a little bit hurt that you keep referring to this conversation that you two have had you know, you, 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 <laughs> oh, the, we've dived out, yeah. the, uh, we've dived out like of the been, group chat. Yeah. You, you, yeah. You've just sort of split off into this little subgroup uh, of the Streets to head podcast people.
2: We uh, were you know. worried. We were uh, worried that you had got your head in the bike race and yeah. stuff. We didn't oh, want yeah. to disturb you. We thought the, actually, also, actually, I
1: was asking Adam's advice about something, um, media related. So. Okay. Oh. Sorry. Okay, you just leave oh, sorry, it like that. Ned.
2: Okay, right. Okay. You could have asked Ned. Ned works in the media as well. That's oh, yeah. even more hurtful.
0: Oh,
1: Ned! I'm no, So actually, sorry.
0: No, it sounds quite technical and quite dry. I'm quite glad. Yeah, I wasn't it was quite, quite boring. You would have hated it. <laughs> Basically, Yay, it's, bikes. It's expensive. <laughs> now, what um, from picking up on what you're saying, um, one of the kind of one of the real problems that strikes me about implementing a national strategy of cycling m- infrastructure unlike perhaps the highways agency and, and the way that the roads get built, is that um, it seems to me you are somewhat at the will and the whim of local councils which, whose, whose policy and whose, um, uh, whose, whose kind of uh, attitude, I suppose, culturally can vary enormously from, from borough to borough. And um, Roger asks this, very good question. Where key routes cross local authority boundaries, can one local authority who isn't interested effectively stop the whole route? Not just urban routes, as many NCN, National Cycle Network, adversely, are adversely affected by poor design consistency and signage continuity. It's a good question that Laura.
1: Yeah. The answer is yes.
2: Oh. There's yeah. a really good case study, the Royal Borough of Kensington and Chelsea. Yeah,
1: that's exactly what I was thinking of, the big hole in the middle of London Cycle network. Oh, yeah. What, they don't. So, they don't
0: pass through Kensington and Chelsea at all. Or? They don't.
1: You shall not pass. Oh. Cycle ah. route. Cycle routes shall not pass because it makes the streetscape look messy. They'd rather just have a big. You know, they'd rather just have road pavement. You know, it's fair that way. Everyone gets some space. They share this. You share the space. It's fair. Just share
2: it. Just share, just share, share it. it. Like just like Exhibition just share? Road. Just share it.
1: Just yeah. <laughs> if you're like a child on a bike, just shares with the buses. It's Sorry, fine. What, what don't they like? What? they don't do cycling infrastructure like protected cycleways it's ideologically okay. uh, yeah it's it's not it doesn't fit ideologically with the council's this is a, this is a street space why are we marking it off for one road user so yeah but it is it's totally a thing that you that can happen um
2: when the cycle superhighways were originally mapped um you know that was the most obvious um Gap, you know, literally mm. everything went from the centre out to the west and there was just a, a hole. And if you overlaid the hole, that was the the, the, the boundary of the boa. Um, mm-hmm. Ultimately, they are, Sad but true. Uh, you know, th- they're know doing some stuff. I don't know exactly what the stuff is, um, but they, they did come out with a with a uh, press release last week, which um, was, uh, I guess, cautiously welcomed by straight safe streets advocates uh mm-hmm. and people on bikes and things like that um so you know but it, but it is largely bad
1: yeah people, there's, so. there's, and there's sort of concerns that the stuff that they're doing is is kind of rubbish enough that it's just kind of going to fail so yeah i don't know yeah yeah
0: i mean this is this does strike me as perhaps a particularly london problem because um mm. the unit the, the authorities tend to be larger outside of london don't they so yeah I mean, it's
1: more obvious in london y- yeah but it's yeah. Equally possible outside of London, yeah. If you're going to have a sort of national network of, you know, in in 20 40 years time, as in the Netherlands, if if you did have a a borough, a council that didn't want to build the cycle routes, then you could have a, a sort of this on a larger scale, just a big hole.
2: We've seen that kind of happen with um, with some of the temporary infrastructure um, in in Greater Manchester. So, um, yeah. you know, some of the some of the the councils. Um, Outside of central Manchester, created um, road space reallocation, kind of pop up cycle lanes um, that literally stopped at the Manchester City Council border. Now, Which we is the say central,
1: the, the central, bor- yeah, borough. It's in, the city centre, right? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. We should say that Manchester City Council are doing some good things. The Cyclops Junction, amongst you know, lots of other things, um, is 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 great, but there's been a kind of an upheaval about, um, pop-up cycle lanes. And that's an example of where if, if one doesn't play ball, you don't have, um, you don't have a network. And I think, um, the, uh, the national cycling network is from, uh, is a good example, um, uh, as well. And we've had some news on that recently, um, that Laura broke as well, um, mm. that, um, you know, effectively, is it a third of the networks being kind of taken out? Did I get the a right quarter, quarter is
1: being reclassed. Well, yeah, a quarter is being reclassified or removed. I think 5% is removed, but yeah, it's a third in Scotland, uh, Scotland's NCN, which they're kind of rebranding as cycle touring routes. But I did the Caledonia way last year on an electric mountain bike. It's really fun. And it's amazing until you get to, I think it's Fort Augustus. And then you go alongside uh, Loch Ness and you're on this beautiful road, but it's narrow and the traffic's seldom, but extraordinarily fast and reckless. So it's kind of a terrifying experience. So that's one of the bits that's been uh, reclassified. But yeah, they're at the whim of um, councils and also just the infrastructure, you know, in the highlands, there's not that many roads to choose from. So...
2: Mm. I would say that also it's slightly different to the kind of some of the, the dedicated infrastructure, cycling infrastructure. And that's why I think Sustrans, you know, that's why they've come out with this announcement, because the the kind of stuff that was created on the National Cycling Network in some cases by Sustrans Odin Mission was not fit for purpose. You know, they, they, they went after the kind of getting as many miles as they could. And, and it was mainly signs and lines really. So that meant that, um, yeah, you would go into another County. Um, but not just that, you know, you might get shoved onto a dual carriageway. Um, and, and, and sort of that was, that was fine. Um, so that's, you know, that's an issue. And I think that's, um, that's less about County by County. That's more probably, you know, the rush to get a network that realise yeah. actually that a, a network both, needs to be it? safe.
1: Yeah,
0: One of, one of my big yeah. bugbears about the SUS trends National Network is why did they use those little blue signs that you clip onto lampposts with those little sort of Round clips that you can literally just point in the other direction and move around. Oh, really? They, they never point in the right direction. Well, not in London. I mean, it's just a national pastime, isn't it? Just send them off in the other direction. Ah, every make the sign's wonky. Every sign around me points in the wrong direction. Oh, really? I mean, they've just got to get, best- get with that. and Use a different. Anyway, someone
1: around your area has noticed, and they just they're just going round some kids. S- the kids
0: today, kids. eh? Yeah.
1: Um, Didn't uh, you move road signs when you were a teenager? No. Hey,
0: do you remember that thing when you were riding your bike, learning to ride your bike? Everyone used to go. Why did people do that, by the way? You used to go. you Used to be riding your bike as a kid, and someone would shout at you, "Oi, mate!" As you're riding on, and you'd sort of look and stop, and they'd go, "Your wheels going round." It was a big thing when I was, really? kid, when I was a kid. That had no, its <laughs> I'm a bit older than you guys, so it's a generational thing. And it was just a big thing in the 80s. All right, <laughs> mate, what? Your wheel's going round. And then they'd laugh at you. Uh, honestly, you youngsters, there'll be people listening to this who go, I know exactly what he's talking about. Your wheels. I, mean, I know exactly. What you're, your wheel's going <laughs> Did round. Did you mate. actually stop? Of course, you always stop, yeah. Thanks. Sometimes you thank him. Thanks. Um, they were simpler times (laughs) (laughs) before social media. I'm returning to social media now, um, to ask you this next question. It comes from beware of the bull. And then there's a little poo emoji. Oh, So I think it's probably beware of the bullshit. So, um, he seems a nice looking Great. chap. I'll, anyway, just, he's got
2: a little... I'll just mark this as explicit now.
0: Yeah, I'm afraid so. I well, was just thinking that, that you're
1: going to have to tick the box. <laughs> explicit content.
0: What other things should the government do to push ambivalent local authorities with such a far-reaching change? How do you... So I guess... The... And then he gets lost in some sort of um uh, issue with not Northamptonshire County Council, which is um maybe very accurate, but I don't think they're here to defend themselves. So we should probably swerve that one. Um, How do you... Yeah, how do you change hearts and minds? Have either of you got a view on that?
1: Actually, with the HS2 cycleway, one of the options was that they could make the cycleway. I don't know if you, anyway, just briefly, there was, obviously there's HS2, but there was going to be a sort of network connecting the bridleways and all the existing paths together so that you could crisscross the HS2 all the way up the country. It was a really nice idea. One of the things that the consultant suggested was that you could make it like a trunk road, like the equivalent of a trunk road, which would mean that you could take control of sections where councils didn't want to act, build the route and then hand it back to them with the proviso that they look after it, which I thought was quite a neat way of doing things. Because you're talking about national infrastructure and stuff needs building, we're not talking about a motorway here. It's a path, you know, it's like three metres wide, maybe. Um, So that could be one one idea.
2: Um, The other thing that I was thinking of was more from a kind of communications standpoint. And I am, you know, sometimes wary of just pushing kind of effectively marketing and communications things to, to affect change because we know that, you know, that's not always that well, sometimes it just doesn't work. You need to build stuff and, and all of that stuff. But from a um, from a I don't know if there's any well there isn't any data on big scale to prove it, but I know the Guardian did a piece on um what they thought was a, a trend of conservative councils um, and conservative councillors blocking local infrastructure, and I've I, I have this locally um, where I am uh, in in Warwickshire County Council, which is uh, which is a conservative uh, led council, and the the real difficult, like the thing that we can't get our heads around is this is you know this is a mandate from you know the government, the conservative government, telling all councils, but also conservative councils to 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 do this. And actually I've seen there's probably a Venn diagram for it, but I've seen a lot of the kind of anti-cycling and walking infrastructure stuff who are normally very supportive of the government of today and the Prime Minister and potentially, you know, other topics that that get people um really hyped up. And when it came to communications, I was a little bit as you possibly expect with Boris Johnson, like a little bit disappointed with just sort of how, you know, simplified it came across in terms of why they were doing this, in terms of well, A, I think there's a lot of issues with their description of, you know, cycling to, to for, for obesity and for health. I think that was quite a, a simple like topic for something that's actually, we know, very, very complex. And, and there's lots of different reasons why we don't have a, a healthy nation. Um, and also just in terms of, you know, explaining who this stuff is for and, you know, really trying to get some stats and data out there. I did, I appreciate it when Grant Shapps did his first announcement because he talked about the amount of percentage of trips that were under three miles outside of London. And, you know, that was quite powerful people going, okay, well, I can see why they're doing that. And we've not had any of that. We just had these kind of big, bold, you know, side of the bus expressions of like, we're going to build thousands of miles. We're going to do this. And actually what would have been nice, especially for the kind of conservative voters who are, who are sometimes, you know, some of them will be against what's happening right now is to try and add a little bit of data to it. You know, we're doing this because it, it provides benefit to the economy. You know, people who cycle and walk spend more over a month in shops than people in cars or cycle parking provides a better return for the same space of car parking spaces. Or we know that if the person in front of you is on a bike, they're less likely to be holding, you, you know, you up on the school run when you're doing a really necessary journey and they're doing something that could easily be cycled or walked. So having that kind of narrative, which I know can be sometimes quite complex, but I was a bit disappointed that you know, it didn't come across in those kind of terms for people who would be the immediate naysayers to kind of Adam, go. Oh, I understand what the prime minister's doing. Go are on. you
1: saying that we need a cycling and walking commissioner who's like a, also a PR guy who really loves cycling
2: <laughs> <laughs> and he knows how to get yeah. a message across <laughs> specifically in the Coventry region? Um, well, um, I, I I believe in messaging. I think messaging is important. Yeah. Um, let's let's um, let's, leave it. let's leave say it. that. And yeah, it's it's a missed opportunity. I think.
0: Yeah. I've just noticed that on your background, which I've noticed, you mix things up. You've got a slightly different background, which is quite entertaining, Adam. I've just noticed you've got a silver, what looks like a YouTube, like yes. award for something. He's got what an what award, is, Like that's like recent. on the wall, like a kind week, of like, like a golden album or a platinum album or something. What's that for? That's
2: that's my other um, thing. Um, I set up a YouTube channel all about run, running called the Running Channel. And we uh, we a couple of months ago hit 100,000 subscribers, so YouTube sent us a a little plaque
0: and a a letter. Well, that gave you a little opportunity to travel. uh, Excellent. No, talking about (laughs) you
1: asked. What do I say? It's another thing that Adam does. Just
0: yet another thing. Um, (laughs) But talking about Boris Johnson, I did quite. It did quite amuse me that in his introduction to the announcements, his one of his first lines was, you know, quite early on he said, "Yes, I know you can't move a fridge freezer on a bicycle." which prompted Pedal Me, the wonderful Pedal Me, their Twitter yeah. feed, straight away to respond with, we've, oh, yes got, you can. we've got this, and a video of a fridge freezer <laughs> on a bicycle being moved. I thought that was absolutely great. They must have they just thought, it's almost like they planted that in there simply so they could respond. It was just perfect for them. You know?
1: yeah,
0: it's a, a, <laughs> it a great reply. Here we, can, here we go. Yes, you can. Um, what's good. the next question? What's the next question? Neil Fitzgerald. How does government get the message out to all licensed drivers that the rules are updated when they change later in the year? So, Does this relate to the highway code, Laura?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it relates to the highway code. Yeah. So a tonne of changes around the highway code. Um, There's now a hierarchy of road users. There's now a bunch of other stuff around road positioning and Dutch reach, and um, it's a consultation and... um, Hopefully they're going to be passed because they're good changes, and also giving people giving like cyclists and pedestrians priority at side roads. So you can't just turn across their path. Because apparently right, they you, you,
0: to do uh, that. you chucked a lot of information in there. That is sorry, some, some, too much some, information. Well, a lot of a lot of listeners will I know. Exactly like that what, to premise it. Uh, no, a lot of, lot of listeners, I'm sure, will know exactly what you're talking about. There's a bit of jargon in there. Dutch reach is that manoeuvre. Sorry. Dutch oh, reach. Yeah, it sounds. I yes, have to say, question. I've always thought it sounds rude. It um, does actually. It does sound very rude. Well, kind you of like say it. Everything with Dutch it, in it is already naughty isn't it in some way but um but <laughs> okay
1: <laughs> so what it is let's okay so what it is is that when you're opening your car door because you know there's a thing called dooring when you open your car door and then someone's cycling and then and then yeah they have come with their bikes they because yeah because you crashed your door into them so what you do when you're opening your door is you open it with the opposite hand and this is something that the dutch do because because loads of people cycling and there's always someone cycling on the road so you open your door with your opposite hand um, and I was on BBC Radio Scotland the other day trying to remember which hand, which side of the car we drive on. And I couldn't, um, but anyway, it's the opposite hand. So you're basically turning towards the person, the road when it you're forces, opening the door. It
0: forces, you, your torso to turn around. So you look at the blind yes, spot, basically. Exactly. So, yeah, that's, that's a good it. way of yeah. describing it. So yes. that is now, that will now be mandatory in.
1: it. It's in under consultation along right. with like a ton of stuff. So yeah, it's like a twelve week consultation that's out at the moment. Um, so yeah, if it's if it kind of goes through consultation and it's accepted, then that's going to be a thing that people should okay. do. Um Yeah, it's a tricky one with the highway code because like because whoever reads the highway code once you've started driving, you should uh, c- like keep up to date on it. But in reality, no one ever does. Um, I don't know, maybe like uh, checkpoints along the road. Someone stands there with a book and asks you. Um, what's, uh, what's the role on this? I don't know. Um, but it will be good for new drivers. That's for sure. So yeah, people learning to drive like in the next, however long, next six months, a year. Um, it's going to be good for them, but it's always tricky with changes to the highway code. But what it does help is uh, with policing, because I'm told through campaigns, Cycling UK told me that um, sometimes police officers still think, road police officers still think that you need to ride 50 centimeters from the curb, like in the gutter basically, and that riding to abreast is illegal, which it's not. Um, and that's been clarified as well uh, in the new... Proposed changes. So yeah, it's not just about drivers; it's also about like policing the roads. And um, yeah,
2: I should say that um, there is some discussion on whether the Dutch reach actually came from the Netherlands. Um, oh. there is uh, there is all sorts. I will not get into it, Uh-oh. but there is all sorts of Uh-oh. research where. <laughs> Um, well, oh, no, it's great, and, and and apparently, you know, some say that the Dutch have been doing it for fifty years. They've just never, but it's never been talked about or phrased. And then some people say, "Well, no, you go to Netherlands and say about this thing," and they're like, "What are you on about?" Um, But anyway, oh, we won't get into that. But I just thought it was worth um, worth mentioning. I think the problem with the hybrid code is that uh, well, it's not a problem, but the 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 point to make about the hybrid code is it is slightly you know, it's different to um, you know the law uh it's a set of guidelines that feeds into the law but actually they're you know they're separate documents and i think in reality i mean people say this and uh, and i'm inclined to believe it is the only time you look at the highway code is when you learn to drive uh, and then it's sort of i mean i i, I don't have a copy like i wouldn't the only time i've ever seen the highway code mentioned or pictured is in Arguments on social media, going oh, this is highway code, um, which isn't very helpful when you're in the real world and you know cycling. Say, so, well, no, I'm meant to go straight on here, sir, and I've got right of way, um, and I, and I think you know that's where we'll fall down. So. As the question says, really, it, it, it involves a significant kind of... Um, it
1: needs a press communi- campaign.
2: again. It needs a, yeah, a communications, a press campaign again. <laughs> uh, hey. Um, but no, I think all this stuff is genuinely important. Um, yeah. And we need to um, we need to get it understood in the convenience. Because the turn in the corner stuff, which, you know, British cycling... So that's um, a priority
1: at side roads stuff. Yeah, yeah. So basically
2: anyone who's going straight on. So if a cyclist is going straight on in a cycle lane... Uh, the car should wait until the cyclist comes past before... The car driver turns. Same if you're crossing a side road as a pedestrian. If you're walking across, you should not be turned into. Like in like in any sort of normal country. <laughs> like in you know when you go around continental Europe, you can cross the road and people wait for you to cross the road um, when they're turning. So so that sort of stuff can actually I think have a real. As we were talking about presumed liability uh, the other week when we were doing a podcast on the, on on the other the announcement originally that that can have a real impact in the kind of narrative. Mm of the roads and and the convenience of pedestrians. It is, it is sort of
1: like moving us towards that a little bit, isn't it? If not like indeed, then in in word, it's sort of it's the hierarchy of road users, that pedestrians um, and then cyclists. And then yep. it's the larger, faster road user that has more responsibility of, you know, not hurting the smaller and lighter and slower ones. So,
2: Yeah, I'd love to see that, you know, enacted and in our consciousness as a nation, because... It is totally nuts that there are still discussions with people like, oh yeah, you know, it's everyone's responsibility to, to, to share the road. For those,
0: for those people who are inherently opposed to cyclists for whatever reason, for the, for the tribal sort of approach, when we are engaging in a forum in which their voice is present and, you know, we want to make progress, I would suggest as a cycling lobby that the... first point you make is not about protecting cyclists the first point you make um is about pede- protecting pedestrians and yeah. that's that's how you started that's
1: the way it should be yeah you know, it should be pedestrians then, at the top of the hierarchy yeah. then
0: in a way you're you're kind of disarming the debates that the antipathy mm-hmm. straight away by saying pedestrians are vulnerable to the actions of cyclists that's your starting point you know yeah and, and then you build from there and i think that would be a yeah, kind of convincing say. way of building the argument but, but yeah. in and terms also, of pr adam and i and i uh, I uh, I think that the most important voices in the absence of your wonderful self being employed as this kind of but um but uh, the, some of the most powerful voices are the two police forces that I know Surrey Police Force and this, the West Midlands as well yeah yeah, those yeah two, they do great you know those work. two guys those two guys whoever they are women I don't know who they are who run their Twitter campaign in you know are doing more than just about anybody else in terms of w- winning over yeah. hearts and minds and making points very very yeah, clearly Yeah, they've been very um, good yeah and whenever they tweet something that's that clearly states the rights of cyclists and the responsibilities of drivers. I feel enormously, almost emotionally grateful to them because they are a voice from the outside, aren't they? In some ways. And it feels like, it feels like we have authority from an authority and we've got support in that. Mm. Um, We've got two more questions to deal with. Um, One, one is, I'm not quite sure what he means, but Alex is saying any views on 20 mile an hour limits and he's copied in at cycle harrogates there. I don't know who they are, but, um, Double thumbs up. yeah, it's a, that, well, I mean, t- so in built up areas, mandatory 20 mile an hour limit, it seems to be much more yes. widespread now than it was a few years ago. Right. I mean,
1: yes, no? 20 miles an hour is a very, um, yeah, it's just a re- very easy way of making the road safer, basically. Um, yeah, kind of needs to be more than just putting signposts up. You need to design for lower speeds as well. But ultimately, yeah, huge step forward for safety for pedestrians and people cycling and just making the roads a little bit more pleasant in residential areas and built up areas. So, yeah, default. My,
2: my local high street has become uh, 20 miles an hour, um, initially temporary as part of the kind of COVID measures. Um, they've not done anything other than um, put signs up. Uh, and actually some of the, you have what's called repeater signs, which kind of remind you.
1: The littler um, ones.
2: Yeah. Um, and I don't know if this is reflective of budget cuts, but ours are laminated pieces of paper with 20 no mile an hour written on. And just, they it's just fly bus. in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> I was just flying in the wind um, and, 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 and yeah, it's just, it's just, anyway, but that said, as a cyclist with a, with an e-bike, you know, that, that, that shoots me up to 15 and a half miles an hour, you know, I feel much safer
1: yeah.
2: um, when there is, you know, a sensible amount of road traffic uh, a, a about, because, you know, the flow of the road, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, yeah, in keeping, um, with that. And when I went to Waltham Forest to do a tour of the 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 Mini Holland, which I thought was great because it only cost five million, uh but now <laughs> I don't it cost 30 million. Um, uh, I I've, you know the, you know I rode on some of the cycle lanes which was which, which were great because you know that that's always a good experience. But actually with all the the modal filters, the, the kind of uh points closures and the fact that you know everywhere's practically 20 miles an hour I genuinely felt the safest I felt on a bike in this, uh, in this country. And it just, everything slowed. And that was great because you actually, the, the narrative of the street change, you know, people were talking to each other and cause they couldn't hear each other and they weren't having to kind of watch out the way this speeding cars coming, come this way. So I think, um, I think they're really positive things. I think where it falls down is there is, and I don't, I'm not an expert at this, but there is a, um, an unusual um kind of bureaucracy or uh, well, probably usual bureaucracy actually um between police forces councils etc um 20 i'm trying to get a, a speed limit changed near where i live um and they monitor the speeds and then they work out that if the drivers are going way too fast anyway like they won't reduce the speed because they know that no one will will follow it without changing the road mechanism so you have to you have to do some changes on the streetscape to make it feel and look like a 20 mile an hour zone. Um, but, you know, there is an argument like there are in Wales, for example, of, you know, making 20 mile an hour the default. And I know Birmingham, when we had Waseem Zafar on here, he wanted to make 20 mile an hour the, the default almost, you know, uh, as an implied default. Um, And that's not, not, not um, not happening um, uh, for a variety of reasons, but so you do need to change the road. And I think it's easy to say, "I'll oh, just make it twenty mile an hour," um, and uh, that's um, is, that, is that a beer or is Let's that? A, uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying
0: I'm not saying it's a long answer or anything, but I thought I'd open a beer halfway <laughs> through. Brilliant. <laughs> no, that's kind of Laura. That's that was that was pretty much the point that you were making. I think it's like yeah. more succinctly um, that yeah. it's. <laughs> It's not just about. It's not just about signage. I'm glad it
1: wasn't just me that thought that. <laughs> it's
0: not just about signage. Sorry, it's about know. changing the changing the <laughs> the roads. Um, we've got one final question, which sounds <laughs> sounds a little bit nerdy. So, uh, frankly, I don't know which of you to bring in. Um, uh, we- <laughs> no, Laura. Take a compliment. La- Laura, Laura. Um, what teeth does Active Travel England have to do the job properly? And that question comes from Steve Brooks. I'll confess. I don't really know who Active Travel England are.
1: So Active Travel England um, are the ones who are, is is a new body that's going to be set up, who are going to um, look over the design guidance stuff and in relation to new schemes that are going to be built by councils. So if it's not up to the design guidance, Active Travel England um, will not uh, let them have the funding and uh, they're going to sort of help them do better and provide some support, but they're also going to be the ones with with the teeth. So yeah, it's like we're not going to fund you. You also have to include cycling and walking stuff in. I think we've sort of mentioned this before. In all schemes, there's a presumption that all schemes, whether or not they were originally for cycling and walking, will deliver or improve cycling and walking infrastructure to the new standards. Um, so unless unless the council can prove uh, that there's no need for it, so yeah, there's that. Um, so yeah, I guess this is as much teeth as you can have with design guidance.
2: The other interesting thing is that Active Travel England will become a um, statutory consultee in, yes. uh, in planning applications, um, which means that any kind of major planning applications for, you know, 100 homes or 200 homes or, or whatever, will, in the same way that Highways England get, you know, get to say, well, this is going to add to traffic and things like that, we're concerned. Um, active to travel England will be able to say something like, "You haven't designed properly for Active to travel here. We recommend that you don't, you know, give planning permission uh, until this is um, this is resolved." I think that that works well in practice, and I know there are planning is an incredibly complex topic of which I know almost nothing um, uh, about, but I do know that councils are under pressure to um, to to get houses built, uh, mm-hmm. and and there was something in the news yesterday. I'm always careful to try and read articles before just quoting headlines but it's something like houses won't need planning permission to be built um or, or, or something so i think you know there is there is um going to be a simplification of um uh, of planning rules and maybe change of planning rules but it is important that we don't just blindly give things the go ahead because every planning application i've seen Always says, "Oh, we we expect modal share to change between five and ten percent of mm. towards cycling," uh, and I've you know, there's not a single housing uh, estate or any you know development that's been built in the country that's actually ever achieved those targets. Mm. Um, they're just they're just box ticking exercises. So I think that would be interesting. I would also add that this lives and dies by. How well resourced and yeah. um, funded? Because uh, it's a lot it, of work for one body. Yeah, yeah, it's a hell of a lot of work. And we saw with the DFT, my uh, like one of my local councils, Coventry City Council, mentioned this about the DFT. You know, ask the council to submit their bid for the tranche one funding with like a week's notice, but then took over a month to come back to them um, to to tell them whether they got the funding uh, or not. And I think that there's a worry with tranche two. You know, councils won't find out until late September or even October um, whether their their bids have been successful. Mm. And I think historically, the cycling and walking kind of area of the DFT has been very small. Um, You know, there's been very few people working on that just because of the nature of the way that the department is set up. So if we're going to have lots of planning applications coming in, lots of big budget, big ticket items being put forward, then they're going to need to have a hell of a lot of people to to, to kind of have a lot of good people to sign this stuff off and um, not kind of get stuck in the system.
0: Fair dues. Well, we covered a whole range of stuff there. I mean, I suppose just to sum it up, I, I'm not sure, listening to what you've had to say over the last hour, that I'm any wiser as to whether or not as to whether or not this was a bit of a game changer, I I suspect that you probably feel to a lesser or greater extent the same. I mean, if you had to rate the news out of ten, which is an entirely spurious and meaningless thing to ask you to do, but I'm going to do it nonetheless. Um, how, how, what would you give it out of ten, Laura? The, the announcement.
1: I think, I think for now it's going to be a six. So it's like getting there, definitely getting there. Maybe that's maybe that's unfair, but I think it just it just sort of, because the funding is going to be attached to it and the resourcing, like Adam was saying, is so important. I think the highway code stuff is, is super important and you don't need extra funding for that. Um, you know, that's, well, the, there's a consultation then there's going to be documents drawn up, but, you know, there's nothing physical being built. But in terms of the rest of the stuff, I think it's super important, but it does need funding. And I think I'm get, kind of giving it a low mark because, you um, Yeah, because it's, you know, it's so crucial and so urgent that we do something. So this is kind of halfway there. And the other half has to be that there's a lot of money attached to it. So it's sort of six to eight billion a year if we're going to double cycling um, levels to 4% of all trips. So, yeah. Which is the
2: government's own target.
1: Yeah, and which is still very low. So maybe that's being unnecessarily harsh, but I just think, you know, it's it's a lot of detail and it's really good. But there's a long way to go, a long way to go. Yeah.
0: Yeah. On the other hand, it's you know it is it. It's a step in the right direction,
2: isn't it, Adam? What, uh,
1: Very
0: six, much. Out of, six out of ten. I mean, what, how do you feel about that? You're going to go? Yeah.
2: I I was going to give it. You know, I was going to give it a, a, a seven, but I was going to caveat it with, um, it's kind of like our expectations are so low with active travel <laughs> that this feels. It, it's like it's like going to the pub after being indoors for four months during during lockdown, like you know, it's not a great experience. But something's like, wow, this is this is this is great. This is eight out of ten experience. Whereas actually, you know, sat there with hand sanitizer, drinking a shandy five meters away from your mates. Um, and
1: <laughs> oh, you paint such a um, sad picture.
2: Yeah, um, and I think it's about the same with this, really. Um, for want of a bit, much better analogy. Um, you know, this is our expectations are super low. So, so the fact that the prime minister stood there, going, "This is what we're doing. Get with the program," and there is some funding, and there's actually some, you know, things that will support that is is really um, is really game changing. Yeah. Um, I think if if we were work, living in a normal functioning kind of travel system um, it, it is probably more like a, a five out of 10, I think. Um, but I, uh, you know, I think we should, we should take everything in the context that it's, it's given. Um, so, you know, uh, it's not about the funding as, as I've said before, and lots of people have said before the funding's okay. Um, but it's really about the will here. Um, and yeah. this will all fall down if local authorities, um, you know, don't, take it seriously or aren't incentivized to take it seriously. And I think that's where the teeth is really important.
1: Yeah. I think, I think ultimately it's, it's like Bon Jovi said, we're we're halfway there. (laughs)
0: Living on the planet. Brilliant. Um, well, on that bombshell, um, it's probably time to wrap it up. I, I'm going to go and um, shift a fridge freezer on a bike just for just for a laugh.
1: Hey, in Italy. No, I'm not Amazing. really. Um, Amazing. <laughs>
0: um, uh, but I've, it's been another education, well, it's certainly been an education for me this particular episode. Um, I hope it has been for you listening at home. That was our slightly belated response to the government's big announcement. It needed a little bit of time for these great minds of active travel to cogitate and process all that information. <laughs> <laughs> and they've done they've done just that so uh, my thanks very much to Adam the cycling mayor of Coventry if you didn't know it and to uh, Laura who is going to be adjudicating on some very significant media awards in the active travel world soon um, vote for. Streets Ahead podcast. Go to the show notes section and uh, Laura will put all the details there of how you need to do that. In the meantime, we'll be back with more walkie, cycly stuff very soon. Um, Do continue to rate us, review us online, and um, just tell us you love us really. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.
2: Bye. Bye.